0: Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Circe Podcast. If you'd like to get connected to what God is doing at the Circe campus, you can text the word Circe to 88000. There you can give online, get connected to a life group, find your place in a serve team, and so much more. You can also find today's message notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Just tap the link in the episode description to follow along during the sermon and save notes directly to your phone. Now prepare your hearts to hear a great word from God today. Today, I want you to go to Luke chapter five. I'm going to uh, read a text today. And many of you have read this before. Some of you um, know it by heart. Some of you kinda come across this text uh, every year when you start your one year Bible reading, you'll make it to this in the first couple of weeks. And, uh, but this is such a great story and it's got so much Uh, symbolism to it. I just see so much when I uh, read it. And today I'm gonna try and break down some of the symbolism found in this uh, incredible story. So I want you to go to Luke chapter five and we're gonna read the first nine verses together if you've got your Bible or your Bible app. So this is what it says. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, so he's preaching, verse two. He sees at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their their nets. And he got into one of the boats, for one belonged to Simon, talking about Peter there, and asked him to put out a little from shore. So he gets in and and says, hey, just push out just some, okay? How how many of you know, sometimes you just need a little space, right? And so he pushes out and he says, I'm gonna teach from the water. And so he sat down and he taught the people from the boat, verse four, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, I want you to put out into deep water and put out your net for a catch. And in verse five, Simon says, but master, some versions says, but Lord, we've worked hard all night. So we've we fished all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down our net. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break, so they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them, and they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. I want to pray over this this morning. Lord, I love you. I thank you for the people of God, this opportunity that we have to come into your house today. And Lord, I pray that our our hearts would be open to just receive today as you talk to us, this morning, I just pray that you would speak loudly, speak clearly, um, let us know with great confidence the truth that is found in this, in this old text. God, I pray that you'd just bring it to our front door this morning. Let there be freedom in this room today to just receive of your word, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, this text is not about fish. Fish. This text is God using a daily life and lifestyle and career to prove a point. And if I could title this this morning, I would simply call it One Day. Okay, One Day. And the reason I would call it that is because in one day, you read throughout the gospel, there were many, many one days for people. And The reason I say that is because in one day, one moment, Jesus can turn an entire trajectory of someone's life, that they can be moving in one direction, and in one moment, one example, one conversation, one miracle, an entire life is changed in one day, one moment. And this is what we're reading about here in Luke chapter 5. And so to give you a recap and then to give you some context, Jesus is in full ministry mode. Um, crowds have, become, have begun to gather around him in every single city. And in this particular example, the crowds are, are so pressed in that he says, I gotta get away, I gotta create some space because I can't even, I can't even teach. People are, are pressing in so much. And so as the people begin to press in, he gets in the boat and he moves out and he finishes his message and his, his ministry and then he makes it about this one-on-one conversation with Peter. And so he had this incredible way of going from the crowd into one person's life. And so he centers in on Peter and he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to push out, I want you to go out into the deep, I want you to let down your net for a catch. And he says, but Lord, we've been at this all night long. I think in one way it could, it could translate to God, but I'm tired. You know, I'm, I'm exhausted by the process. I'm ready really to just clean the net, clean the boat, and, and hang it up for another day, you know. And he says, but because you tell me to, I'm going to do it. And the symbolism in this story, like I said before, is so rich, and I want to give you three of these, and I want you to write these down really quick because I'm going to reference them throughout this morning. The lake in this story, Gennesaret, is a symbol of the depth of God, okay? It is his revelation to man. It is deep, it is wide, it is unexplored. It is 360 degrees. It is just everywhere you look is water. Everywhere you look is the depth. Everywhere you look is the revelation. They are in the middle of this revelation of Christ. This symbolism is certainly for where they are as fishermen in their own exploration and discovery of Jesus Christ. That they are completely surrounded by this epiphany of Jesus. And so, This is gonna be the symbolism of this story, so we start with the lake is revelation. It's us seeing something new for the very first time. It's an epiphany, it's revelation. It is depth, okay? The boat is the symbol of the heart of man. All right, Jesus gets into the boat. He gets into their heart, he gets into their, their, their lives, and he says, now let's push out into the depth, into the revelation. Now, the net is the mind of man. It is always searching. It is wanting to be full. It is at its best when it's full. And so these three, uh, sim- these three symbols are going to ring very true in this story, that Jesus is saying, first of all, I want to get in your life. I want to come into your story. I want to be a part of it. Now that I'm in here, let's push out into the revelation of God. Let's get into some deeper places. Let's find out what your purpose is. Let's find out what God's plan is for you. And to do that, you've got to be willing to drop your net, drop your mind, drop your intellect, drop your spirit into the depths of God that surrounds your life. And I think that there are two distinct groups of people in this story. There are those that are on the seashore, and I'm, I'm gonna call the, or the, the lake shore, and I'm, I'm gonna call those guys the shallow Christians, right? I mean, they've just heard a fantastic sermon, they're, they're thinking about it, they're discovering Christ, but they're staying on the shore. And then you've got this small advanced class that has jumped into the boat to say, I'm willing to do, I'm willing to go to the next place. Now, call that discipleship, call it transformation, call it personal growth, call it whatever you want. But as this begins to happen, I think that it separates and you have a distinct group of people, again, symbolically, where you have a group of people in your life, in my life, in the church in general, capital C, in our church, in church history, again, however you want to view that, and they decided for the rest of their lives to stay shallow. Like, I'm going to stand on the shore, I'm willing to listen, I'm willing to watch, but I'm not so sure about the boat thing, I'm not so sure about trying again, I'm not so sure about going the extra mile, I just want to stay here comfortable, I'll listen, I'll be a part, but I'm not so sure about going and discovering more, getting more, being more. And then you've got this group that is in the boat and they are about to experience an unbelievable miracle. I think if we break this down, even using examples of scripture, that we quickly understand that if we're going to be part of the miracle group, If we're going to be part of the transformational group, if we're going to be part of of that group that goes to the next place in our journey with God, then we've got to be willing to do what he asks of us. And this was the conundrum that Simon Peter was in, but let's just break down This text for just a moment. If you're following me, I'm in Luke chapter five and I'm going to read verse four again. He says, I want you to launch into the deep and let down your net. If we use the symbolism again of this story, he's saying, I want you to take your heart and I want you to go into a deeper place. And I want to let you to let your mind get a revelation of who I am. And I want to pause there for just a minute. Because it may be for some of you in this room, you've got a great story of coming to Christ, and thank God for that. You've got a story maybe of growing up in church. You've got a story of of when you gave your life to Christ, and that's all celebratory things. But that may be where your journey ended. Like you came to Christ, and you've you've kind of been still. You've kind of been, been stuck. You haven't moved further than that. And so this becomes a a big challenge to say, I want you to now go out into a deeper place. I want you to work at it. I want you to discover something new in me. I want you to move to a deeper place and let let your mind really get a revelation of who I, I am. Now, let me tell you one of the biggest challenges that we find ourselves. If you have grown up in the kingdom, and if that's kind of how, Your journey has been, you got into church, and you gave your heart to Christ, and you were baptized, but maybe you feel like that's where it ended for you. The biggest piece of this puzzle for you may be that you've got to unlearn some things. And unlearning is very difficult. Psychology even tells us it's a great, great challenge to unlearn and relearn. It's so much easier just to be this blank canvas, you know, and whatever lands on it, lands on it, and the masterpiece that it ends up being is great, and we can applaud it, and all of those things, but the biggest thing is if you have to go back and erase and redo, it requires a lot, but it may put you in an incredible place, and I will tell you that there are some Christians, maybe some in the room this morning, who need desperately to unlearn some things need to unlearn some theology, need to unlearn some bad theology, things that you were told that you shouldn't do, couldn't do, because it wasn't right, and it's just throughout Scripture, and how do we unlearn that? Well, we take our heart, and we push it into deep water. And we're willing to take our intellect and drop it down into the depths and places that we don't always go. And we're willing to try again and again. Even if you've been at it all night. Even if you've already tried. Even if you're tired of the process. And that would be my second pause with you. Is that you may be here this morning and where you are right now in life is just fatigue. Exhaustion. Life's been hard. Situations have been weary. The Bible uses a phrase called sapping of strength. And that's exactly what that means. It's exhaustion. The sapping of your strength. It's not necessarily a fire hydrant, but it's a drip, 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 drip. Every day it seems like you're leaking your joy. You're leaking hope. You're leaking faith. You're leaking sleep. You're leaking strength. You just drip, 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 drip. And Peter alludes to this. He says, man, we've been at it all night, and we have caught nothing. And again, if you use this symbolism, Lord, we've been trying to find this all night. We've been trying to to transform. We've been trying to, to figure out where you are and what's going on and who you are and find some joy. And we've been knocking and seeking and all these things, but we haven't found anything. And what he's trying to say is this, are you sure? Are you sure? And that might be exactly where you are this morning. Are you sure? God, are are you sure that this is what you want? Are are you sure this is the next step? Are you sure? And your life with Christ has become a lot of second-guessing. Like, do you really want this? Do you really want me to do Are you sure? Are you positive? So he tells him, we've toiled all night and we have caught nothing. Let me tell you the big difference between him prior to Luke 5 and coming into Luke 5 and 5. So he says, Master, we've toiled all night and we've caught nothing. The difference is this. Jesus was not with you the first time you tried it. So now that he's in the boat, Now that he's with you, now that you've got a word, now that you've got a promise, try it again. It may feel the same, it may look the same, but when his word has gone before you, it changes all of it. So he says this, nevertheless, at your word, or in the NIV, because you asked me to, I'll do it. And I'm going to challenge you guys to this this morning, that we look into our heart, we look at where we are with God, and we say this exact same thing, because you asked me to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stay the course. I'm willing to drop the net. I'm willing to get the boat out. I'm willing to try again. I'm willing to get up. I'm willing to stand up. I'm willing to face it. I'm willing to do whatever that challenge is because you asked me to do it. I want to be a person of obedience. So nevertheless, at your word, I will let it down. I don't know if you remember the centurion in scripture, but he's the one who Jesus said, I'm, I'll go to your house right now. And he said, no, no, no. I know how, how busy you are. I know how important you are. If you'll just speak the word, I know she's gonna be healed. And that was great faith. And man, it moved him. And I, I'm encouraged by that to think it in our own life that we would declare that, into our own circumstances. Lord, if you will just speak the word over this. Speak the word over my children. Speak the word over my career. Speak the word over this illness. Speak the word over this marriage. If you will just speak the word in this, it'll change it all. The underlying principle to this is you don't have to be concerned about your condition when there's an opportunity to adjust your position. And I think oftentimes we can get so tied up and hyper-focused upon the condition of our lives and we lose track of the, of the fact that God is trying to navigate us and move us into a position where things are going to improve and get better. He wants to align us with the ability to have a miracle take place in our lives. When I was a kid, they came out with this, with this, goofy concept. It was called 3D glasses. And these 3D glasses, I remember this is going to tell you how, how old I am, but they, they started, you know, they, uh, we only had four channels in that day. We didn't have cable, 4, 7, 11, 16. And then UPN 38 came out. and That was amazing. But they started to promote, tonight we're going to show a 3D movie on your television, but you got to have 3D glasses. So these companies started putting them out like you could get a pair in your cereal box. And Wonder Bread did it. And so I got mine out of Wonder Bread, which is great because I put them on my face. It just smelled like Wonder Bread. But the concept of the 3D glass was this. You see something, and then you put on these magic glasses, and suddenly the shark that's swimming at you is able to come into the living room. Now, you and I both know that's heavily exaggerated because they were terrible. I think they just wanted to see how many people were dumb enough to wear red and blue glasses in their own living room. But the point was, put these glasses on and it's gonna change the way you see what you're looking at. And I think this is a lot like what getting a word from God is like. We can filter our lives through the condition we're in, right? Through the tough time, through the challenge, through the depression, through whatever it is that you would line up this morning and say, well, this is what my current challenges are, my top three challenges, and you would lay lay those out. We can get heavily involved in the strategy of them, the analysis of them, the overthinking of them, the worry of them, or we can let the word of God become the lens by which we look through to see the condition of our lives, and it changes something in us when we filter that through a word from God. And I think that's why Peter said, because you asked me to, I'm gonna do it. There's something in my heart that says, believe you, trust you, I've seen you at work. It's not until later that Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And he says, I, I believe you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So right now, Peter's trying to figure this out. He's trying to discover it, and there is something in him It says, just trust him again. And I'm gonna throw that out to you today to follow that voice of the Spirit in your life that says, just hang on with me. Trust a little longer. Encourage yourself. Have some faith. Have some hope. You may have tried all night, you may be exhausted. You may have done this exact step that he's asked you to do a million times with no, no results. But do it again because he's asked you to. So sometimes you've got to get behind his word in order to see beyond. So why did Peter have such faith that he could say, because you asked me to? Well, let's bring some word into it. Psalm 39, seven, he says, now, Lord, what do I wait for? He says, because my hope is in you. Everybody say hope. He says, my hope is in you, hope. Psalm 71.5, for you are my hope, O Lord. You are my trust from my youth. That's David's way of saying, ever since I was a little kid, I had my hope in you. Lamentations three, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in him. Romans 5, not only that, but we also glory, watch this, in tribulation, and knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Romans 15, 13, now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Spirit. But I would tell you this morning, is to hold on to hope. We know that hope is one of the ingredients of faith, but faith and hope are different. So you hold on to hope long enough, it will generate faith. If you will hold on to it, stand on to it, churn it, stir it up, as Paul says, it will generate faith in you. And so what the enemy tries to do is he tries to get us to lose hope. Because he knows if he can get you to lose hope, you'll lose faith. So you lose hope that something's gonna change. You lose hope that something's gonna give. You lose hope that this thing is gonna turn around. And I will tell you to hold on to that hope and keep stirring it, because it will turn into faith. So Simon's hope was in God. Now remember the symbols of this text. The boat is the heart of man, the net is the mind of man, and the lake is God's depth is revelation to man. And we know the story, we know what happens. He goes out, he obeys, they throw the nets out, and man, do the fish come in it. And again, this is not about fish. This is not about the gap in the story where we go, okay, did they just get a lot of money for that sale? Was this a financial blessing? Was this a, something that they went back and donated these fish to the family sitting on the seashore? This, this crowd that was in wait, did they just like bless these people? We don't, we don't know. There's a gap there. But I don't think it's about the fish. To Simon, it's about him seeing that although he has tried and has done it all before, because he got a word, it changed everything. It was about obedience. It was about how hope plus obedience led to a miracle in his life. And if you're here today and you're in need of that, maybe this is the same pattern. Hope, obedience, Let Christ into the boat. Let him into the story. Do what he asks you to do. Just because he says it, just do it. And I want you to watch this last piece, and I'm gonna land this in just a second. In Luke chapter five and verse six, he says this. And when they had done this, their net was about to break. All right? All right? If you use the symbolism of this, the net is the mind of man. It says the net was about to break. What does that mean? He blew their minds with what happened. He filled it up. They were willing to let him in on the story, and they received such a revelation of who God was that it changed their lives forever. And you guys know how this plays out. These are men who walked away from career and family, to follow someone who they did not know well. But they heard with great spiritual ears. They heard with great spirit to take a chance, to have hope. They saw it all differently after that one day. Imagine a life before that. I want you to imagine that. They had the same mundane routines that a lot of people have in life. They got up. They fished. They clean fished. they, They sold fish. They cleaned nets. They cleaned boats. They talked. They ate. They slept. They did all the things. But this one day changed their lives. And I think some of us in this building today, you need a one day. You need a day where it seems like it's the same thing over and over and over, but something changes. You get a word from God. You get hope from God. You get a revelation of God. And here's the best part of the entire story. To me, it's not the miracle. To me, it's, it's not... The the preaching on the shore that was so incredible that they had to get away from people for just a minute, It, it wasn't even in the obedience. The best part of this story comes at the very end, and oftentimes it slips us by because it took them multiple boats to haul in these fish, and that's where our mind goes. But let me show you what I think is the best part of the whole story. In chapter five and verse eight, at the very end of what I read to you earlier, he says, "Depart from me because I'm a sinful man." Now, that is very poetic, so you've got to put yourself in this story about what he really how, that may have really come out. I can't be with you. I can't follow you. I can't look at you. Don't, don't look at me. Get away. I've got to get away. I've got to get out of here. We've got to go back to the show. I've got to get out of here. He's in such disbelief. You want to know why? Because he says, I am a sinful man. The same thing happened to Peter that happened to Isaiah. When he said, woe is me, for I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, a man of sin and I live among sinful people. I, I, gotta, I gotta get out of here. I, I cannot stand to be in this moment of truth. Like once I get a revelation of you, I also get a revelation of me. And I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't want you to raise your hand, but I'm going to ask you, how many of you have ever felt like you've been in that place? Maybe you're in that place right now. You don't like you. You look at your heart, you don't like it. You look at the thoughts you think, you don't like it. You look at a behavior you have, you don't like it. You look at a habit you've got, you don't like it. You look how sometimes you treat others or forget others or disrespect others, and you go, I don't like it. Sometimes you look at the pattern of your life and you go, man, that was so selfish. All I do is want, all I do is try to get, all I do is try to absorb, and I don't like that about myself. This is what he's understanding. He sees his humanity. For a moment, his life is not about fishing. And in this moment, it's not about the miracle. In this moment, he says, you've got to get away from me because I am a sinner, And you know what he calls him? Lord. He realizes that when I look at you through the lens of lordship, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, you're, you're amazing. What's happened is, is so good. And I'm not so good. And here's what I love about Jesus. Okay, if you're a highlighter, I want you to highlight this part because in verse 10, he says this. Do not be afraid isn't that good? I said, isn't that good? Come on, somebody. Do not be afraid. He said, listen, when I come near you, you're gonna see some things. I'm gonna reveal some things. When I come close to you, when I get into your life, when I get into your boat and we go out into the depth of things and and you will lower your mind into the depth of God, you're gonna see some things and know some things and get some transformational things and some of those things, you're gonna come out and you're gonna go, oh my goodness, I do not like what I have discovered. And he says, but wait, 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 do not be afraid because I'm with you and it's okay. It's okay that you've seen that. It's okay because we're going to work on It's okay because the Holy Spirit is going to work on your life for the rest of your life. He's going to be with you. There's a transformational peace coming to this because I'm gonna to go to the cross and I'm gonna forgive you of every sin and I'm gonna do away with all of it. I'm gonna carry it so you don't have to. And after me is gonna come the Holy Spirit and He's gonna be in your life. Don't be afraid. I think that same message is for you and I this morning. Don't be afraid. If you see something in your life that is ugly, do not be afraid. If you see something in your life that makes you want to scurry because the Holy Spirit has shed light on it, do not be afraid. That is a sign of love. It is a sign of change. It is a sign of transformation. When the Lord shows you something you don't like, it's because he loves you, not because he's angry. That's one of those things that we got to unlearn, The conviction is bad. Conviction is never bad. Condemnation is bad, but conviction is because he loves you. So he sees himself, and Jesus says, do not be afraid. David, if you're listening, you guys can come and prepare. Listen, this one day changed their lives forever. This text goes on to say, as I've already said, that they left everything and they followed him. And my prayer for everybody in our church is that we would have our one day, our moment in the midst of your routine, in the midst of an illness, in the midst of a very difficult time, in the midst of something that you've tried a million times, that you would have a one day experience because the word of God spoke to you. And yes, I believe that Christianity is so much more than a moment. If you've heard me preach at all, man, if anything, I'm against experiences and I'm about knowing him, walking with him, being with him on on the daily. He uses experiences to get to know us, but don't seek experiences, seek to know him. But you may be here this morning and right now, your story right now is Kevin, man, we've tried it. We are tired. We're weary. I'm glad he's in the boat, but in my flesh, I look at him and I say, God, I've already done it, I've tried it. I've been there, I've already I've already prayed about it. I've already done what I feel the word says, and we've caught nothing. Will you go again? Will you try again? Will you pray again? Will you have hope one more time? Let the Lord speak to you. I want you to bow your heads with me in this room today, and I'm going to pray over you. I want you to look at your heart today, and I want you to just answer this question Kevin, I'm here today. Weary, spiritually fatigued, physically fatigued, emotionally fatigued. I've done it before. I feel like I've got the pattern down, the routine down. And you just say, Kevin, that's me. I'm, fa- I'm fatigued. But I want the hope of the Lord to reign in my life this morning. Will you lift your hand in this room with just great courage? Yeah. Amen. Yep, yep, yep. All across the room. Thank you. Anybody else today? Kevin, I'm fatigued. I just want the hope of the Lord, the hope of the Lord in my life. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Anybody else today? Anybody else? Kevin, I'm wore out. I just want the hope of the Lord over my situation, yeah. Amen, thank you. Amen. God, we love you. Come on, church, just begin to receive right there where you are. There's a, The Spirit of the Lord is here this morning. Begin to receive hope right there where you are. Lord, just blanket this room with peace today. Just blanket this room with peace. sensitive to what the Lord's trying to do in the room today. today David's going to begin to sing in just a minute. I want you to have freedom to respond this morning if maybe you need prayer. I want to invite you to the to the front. You can come and stand or kneel. And we'll put some praying people around you. I love to do this myself, but maybe you want to just turn your chair into an altar. You just want to turn around right there and just kneel before the Lord. There's communion in the back. Maybe you want to stand and just lift your hands before the Lord. Whatever it is, I just want you to have freedom to just be in his presence right now as we lift up the name of Jesus. So God, I pray for hope in the room. Give us hope today. Fill your people with hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let's just seek the Lord together.